welcome once again to the seventh episode of the Stick and Puck podcast. Again, posting schedule a little sporadic, but I'm joined here as always by Jack. Jack, how are you doing today? I am doing absolutely phenomenal. How are you? Um, you know, not that good. Uh, the first thing we have to talk about is uh, the Winter Classic. And before I share my thoughts, I would like to hear your thoughts from the winning side. Um, so the first thing is when Kapanen scored that first goal, I thought we were fucked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm just like, we were playing terrible hockey that whole game. We were not moving the puck at all. Yeah, but, but then we kind of just snapped into the game. Jake DeBrusque got two crucial goals, one on a rebound. Mm-hmm. And, the and the other one was a wraparound. Yeah, the wraparound as well. And big saves by Olmar in the closing stages of that game as well. Mm-hmm. Bruins ended up getting the win. Yeah, so I thought as far as winter classics go, you know, like – I'm just gonna take my bias out of it. I thought it was a, I thought it was a meh Winter Classic. I thought it was okay. The, the game wasn't, the game wasn't great. You know, two to one. It, but I thought, I thought it was solid as far as like it was two to one. But like, it's not like it was like an a defensive slugfest. You know, there was there was mm-hmm. offense to be had, and and both goalies played, you know, well well above their heads. You know, it was good to see the Smith come in and and play well after Jari. I don't know. I don't know what happened there because they couldn't really, they couldn't really find it on the broadcast what went wrong. But clearly something was tweaked when Jari went over to make a save and he just pulled something. And hopefully for Jari, it's not a long term thing. But we did recall one of our goalies from Wilkesbury, Dustin Tokarski. So it doesn't look great for Jari. But um, I thought with the with the change in atmosphere, you know, we were 0-2-1 coming into the game. I thought the shakeup in the scenery, it being a winter classic game, that would kind of, you know, put us into put us into gear. And it kind of did, you know, that first period. I thought we outplayed you guys. Most of the second period, we outplayed you. And unfortunately, we can only get um, one goal out of that situation, which was very frustrating. Yeah, as far as the overall atmosphere goes, I mean, I'm never going to be one who would spend $450 to sit behind a pole and not be able to see the sheet of ice. Right, for sure. But as far as, like, the NHL is one of the best leagues at creating a big event. Right. And, I mean, you're never going to compete with the Super Bowl because it's not the Super Bowl. At the end of the day, it's a regular season game. But as far as it comes to getting the Boston Pops there, getting a ton of former Bruins and former Red Sox players in the building, as far as musical stars, even though I didn't really care. <laughs> as as far as that goes, they did a lot to draw publicity to the event, and that's yeah. something that the NHL needs to keep doing if they want to grow the game. Yeah, I think as far as the spectacle the spectacle behind it was I thought it was I thought it was good you know but I I think it's I think it was boring you know to have it at Fenway again to have it be Boston and Pittsburgh again I thought I thought it was a little boring I I thought I thought Fenway you know I thought Boston you know they didn't they did an okay job with with like the decorating the scenery I thought it was again I didn't think it was 
all that great, you know, it was just white. And then they had the, they had the rink obviously. And then they had that little area where they did the, uh, opening ceremony, the, the puck pitch. Which if, was the if stupidest you will. thing I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I've been, as someone who's been to an outdoor game, uh, stadium series game, I went when the Penguins played the Flyers in Philadelphia at the link. I think that I think that would be the best. That was definitely the best place to watch a game at a at a football stadium mm-hmm. because the dimensions and we were up really high in the um, at at center ice. We were at midfield at probably around the fifty yard line, which would be the ideal place to watch because you're up high, you can see the ice. And I wouldn't really want to go to like you like you said. I wouldn't really want to go to like a baseball stadium to watch it because like. Most of the seats are going to be bad. Most of yeah. the seats aren't going to be because I was I saw this TikTok and it was like this guy he was just at the game and he was videoing and he's like videoing all these people around him who are like using binoculars to watch the game. I was like, I was like, I mean, I would just hate to spend like you said like two hundred, three hundred dollars to watch it and then not be able to see half of the things, half of the ice, but. You know, for the NHL, it always it always draws a crowd. And I guess going back to the gameplay, um, we were out playing you guys the first period. It was hard to follow the puck in the first period because the the shadow um, over the ice for the majority of the first period. I thought mm-hmm. it was kind of hard to follow the puck. And then I felt like the in the second period, the Dumoulin getting that penalty, I thought was just I didn't think. I thought that was a brutal tripping call. I I yeah. personally did not like that call whatsoever. Dumoulin didn't like the call. Sullivan didn't like the call. And I feel like that was just the refs being like, we can't have Boston be down here. We can't have Boston be shut out here at, at home. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a little bit I thought it was a little bit of a, a job, but it still it doesn't it doesn't excuse us only getting only getting one goal and then Mm-hmm. Malkin's goal coming up just like a half a second, sh- a half a second too late. Very frustrating. I thought, I thought scratching uh, Ryan Paling in favor of Chad Ruedel was was also weird. I didn't think it was detrimental to the outcome of the game, but it just seemed like a it seemed like a Sullivan wanting to get a veteran, this experience type of a deal more than it was. This is because he's a better defenseman than Ryan Paling and. I thought playing seven forwards was weird. Uh, again, the losses, it's bad. Uh, the third line right now is trash. Jeff Carter, Kapanen. I don't even I don't even know who the other guy is on the line. I'm blanking out on who the third guy on that line is, but I I don't I don't know what to do right now. I mean we're we're oh three and one since the break. We weren't winning going into the break. I think everything's out on the table. I think everything's on the table for the Penguins. I think firing Sullivan's on the table. I think, you know, what I wanted us to do because I saw I saw that uh, Verona, Jacob Verona from the Red Wings, he got he got cut, and I thought it would be good for the Penguins to you know shed some cap space, maybe release Jeff Carter and somebody else, Brian Dumoulin, maybe because he's just becoming a defensive liability at this point and pick up Jacob Brana and then maybe getting a serviceable guy from Wilkes-Barre for a little bit. 
and then picking up a third line center at the at the trade deadline. But I I I literally don't I don't know what you do. I mean, I really don't. But it's a loss to the Bruins. The Bruins are really good, so it's it's not panic time. Would you consider selling at the deadline at this point, or are you still trying to push? Um. No, because I don't think we're. I don't think it, this is like a team that I think we're gonna make the playoffs. I think we're gonna find our footing. Um, we're just too streaky at this moment. At this moment, we we go from, and we go from beginning of the season, we looked good, then we looked really bad, then insane hot streak, and now we're back on really being being bad again. And I think just as long as we find our footing at that at that right time, it's it's all about that. But. As far as selling at the deadline, um, I would like us to make more moves at the deadline than what we normally do. But no, and as far as selling, like I don't know, like what pieces we can ship off that are worth any value that we didn't sign at the deadline, really. Yeah, the one piece I think you could sell would be Jason Zucker, but that's a lot of cap. Yeah, he's signed to a bit of an albatross of a contract right now. Um, you know, he, he does produce and he is, he's pretty valuable. Like he's at the, he's probably what I would say at the height of his, his valuability right now, but, um, I'd hate to see him go. And Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know who, who we get for him really. Yeah, I get it. Right now we probably have to, we probably have to ship him off with, um, somebody else and then eat most of his contract to even make him seem like a like trade worthy or seem like a good fit for somebody because nobody wants that contract really yeah um right now you're only two points out of the playoffs with two games in hand on the islanders Mm -hmm. so it's that you're definitely in a position where you can try to make a push yeah but then the problem is and maybe I'm a bit biased when I say this. The problem is then you get Boston in the first round. Yeah, um, I'm not really scared of Boston. Um, I feel like both games we played against have been competitive. Mm-hmm. And we definitely should have won that first game that we played against you guys where we blew. I don't even remember. I don't even remember what the... It was a, there was a 5-2 lead, right? Yeah, it was, it was some sort of crazy lead and then we blew it. But... I I think um, if Jari's out long term, that's that's really bad. Um, if Jari is out long term, and if we can't find our footing, I wouldn't be mad. And we're gonna talk about this later. I wouldn't be mad about us uh, joining in in that that tank race for for Bedard. <laughs> I know I know we're we're well out of that, but the NHL seems to uh, favor the Penguins as far as uh, as draft lotteries go. You know, Flurry, Malk, and Crosby, so. I wouldn't. Even I wouldn't back be, to Lemieux. Yeah, um, I wouldn't be extremely mad at at that happening, and I I don't know at this point. There's more questions that need to be answered uh, for, as far as the, the Penguins go. Yeah, I I just feel like Pittsburgh's falling into this sequence that the Detroit Red Wings fall into where it was just protect the playoff streak, protect the playoff streak. And then you just end up a mediocre hockey team. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, we're just, 
we're so old right now. Like we're just yeah. like we're just so old, and we have some people who I think get um get fucked as far as like our younger guys go as far, because I feel like Sullivan loves the veterans and he also loves the guys that that he he was with in WBS and he just has a bunch of like strange affection for a bunch of players like he he <laughs> loves Dumoulin Dumoulin's a clear liability he loves Dumoulin and we don't get to see players like like Pio Joseph hasn't even like Pio Pio Joseph who's who's had uh, three goals this season and I think he's had two in like the last like three games, but something like that. But he he wasn't even a mainstay until this season, and he's been up and down. and And he, Penguins fans were were begging for Sullivan to play him, and now that Sullivan is giving him real minutes, he's been playing well. I think he's second line or top line. Uh, Ty Smith, who we just recalled, looks pretty good, and. Mark Friedman, I also like Mark Friedman, and we don't play him that often either. I just think it's it's players get screwed, like Ryan Paling getting cut, uh, I mean getting healthy scratched for the Winter Classic, and Drew O'Connor, who's also pretty good, and Sullivan doesn't play him. I just think it's, it's veteran bias. Yeah, but the problem is you're looking at the available coaches at this point, and it's a pretty – small list unless, unless you want to try to do something crazy like get Mike Babcock or I mean but... I, if I feel as if uh, I feel like if if you're the penguins firing Sullivan isn't a terrible isn't like a terrible option considering you know just a bit of a shakeup that it would be and you're right. The poll isn't that good, but I I think we could be a contender for Barry Trotz if Barry Trotz ever comes back in the market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. I just don't know if he will. I don't know. He seems like he seems like you know he's hinting and he's he's he wants to, but I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if he if he does come back. But I. I, I, I literally he's an enigma really i i don't know what he i don't know what he's doing i mean he's he's old but but you're right like there's not a lot of there's not a lot of good coaching candidates out there um i mean i could see uh rick tockett rick tockett used to be our assistant coach he's on the tnt panel right now but i wouldn't be surprised if the penguins fired sully and brought in rick tockett because Rick Tockett, we didn't fire him. He only left to be uh, the coach for the Coyotes, and that, you know, that's a that's a losing situation right there, really. Yeah, you're never gonna be exactly super successful when you go coach in Arizona. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a fucked situation in Arizona. You, you, there's no winning there. You go there for two seasons, see if you can handle it, and they fire you. <laughs> Well, all right. Next year, the Winter Classic will be in Seattle at T-Mobile Park, home of the Seattle Mariners. It'll be Vegas and Seattle, the two newest teams in the NHL. And I mean, the Batman's tried this before, bring the Winter Classic somewhere where you wouldn't necessarily think it. The most notable example being at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. Mm-hmm. So what do you think of him trying this move to grow the game in Seattle? Um, I mean, there's not a whole lot for me to say on this besides the fact that I don't I don't like the fact that that two markets and two teams that were just introduced are getting 
winter classic when teams like the lightning and, and the Panthers haven't, haven't had one. And I just feel like I, I wasn't, I wasn't like extremely mad by them, like trying this. It's, it's not a, it's not a, I mean, it is a surprise to me that this, they would choose like, if you're going to have the, if you're going to have, like, I wouldn't choose Vegas to play Seattle. I would choose Vegas to play another team or Seattle to play another team. I wouldn't. Seattle to play Vancouver, maybe. Seattle to play Vancouver, Vegas to play, I don't know, who who's Vegas's main rival. I don't even. San Jose, maybe? I mean, yeah. I, but Vegas is, I don't know. It's not, it's not something I'm completely mad about. I don't know if it'll be a good game. But I will be anxious to see what what they come up with as far as uh, jersey concepts go. Yeah, so the potential of Seattle Metropolitan jerseys for the Kraken. Mm. For Vegas, I have no idea what they're going to try to do. Yeah, I don't know. Like Vegas's first reverse retro was good, I thought, and then the reverse retro this year was was good. But they're all like they're all like kind of weird. So. I, I wouldn't be surprised for them to try something and it just looks awful. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I'm pretty confident in Seattle's ability to make it look good, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, well, let's move on then to some wagons throughout the league. Now, my definition of a wagon, and this may differ from you, is a team that can just go into any arena in the league and you expect them to win. Mm. Like you, for example, my Boston Bruins. Right. Boston could play anybody in the NHL. They could go to any venue and you would expect them to at least give a good game, if not mm. win. There's basically zero possibility of them laying an egg and losing by three or four points. Yeah. Yeah. My my definition of a wagon is, is, is similar to yours, but it, it's not only a team that can go in and win on a given night. It's a team that can go in and produce offensively and and be fun while fun. while yeah. giving that win. Not winning one nothing, not winning in overtime, not winning in a shootout, going out winning like four nothing, going out winning four to three, going out winning five to two, you know, people that, that can produce offensively. Yeah, so um, then this was a team that I wanted to talk about already, and then they lost last night and broke their 11-game win streak on me. The Carolina Hurricanes yes, won 11 out of the last 12. Even in their loss to the Rangers, they only they lost 5-3. to three, Right. Put up some good offensive performance. Mm-hmm. But Carolina's been dominant throughout the month of December. Right, yeah. I mean, only they just – they just always seem to be like they always seem to run away with the metro, at least as far as like the last couple of seasons are concerned. And it's it's crazy to me that they can that they continue to produce how they've been able to produce with with the amount of like roster turnover there's been, and also like having all these old players on your team. Like you have Jordan Stahl, you have Max Pacioretty. Like how are you how are you out here like? They have a nice, they have a nice mixture of of young, talented guys, and then you know, scrappy veterans, and th- that's that's how they continue to produce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another team is the Dallas Stars. The Dallas now, Stars were also on my list. 
Yeah, they lost last night three to two to the Los mm-hmm. Angeles Kings. We were mm-hmm. texting about that game. We were both watching it. V- very, but, very unfortunate. Very unfortunate that they lost for yeah. many reasons. Jason Robertson is probably the best. I think he's the best player that I didn't know about coming into the year. Jason Robertson is like sneakily good. And I can't believe the Dallas Stars and him were having, I'm pretty sure they were having some sort of contract disputes heading into the season. It's, it's crazy to me that that, that, that was even happening because he is, he is literally one of, if not the best players in the league right now, he's up there on a tier with McDavid and and Matthews as, as far as, as far as I'm concerned. I don't know if I'd go on a tier with McDavid and Matthews. Listen, it's you just you don't you don't you don't watch. I mean, I mean, if you watch him and he produces and he scored last night, I think he's he's definitely a cornerstone for that franchise as he should be. I mean, he is tied for third in points mm-hmm. in the National Hockey League, but I I think. For him to get on the level of, say, a Connor McDavid, you need multi-season consistency. And I, I know last last year he had a good year, but he last didn't year have he had a good season. What'd you say? Sorry. Oh, last year he had a good season. I was yeah, agreeing with last that. year he had he had a good season. He had mm. seventy nine points, but he didn't have a Connor McDavid level season last year. Mm. And I'd like to see. Robertson, I mean, he's got 55 points in 39 games. I'd like to see him carry that performance year over year before I start to right. say, okay, you're on level with McDavid. Right. But he has only been in the league for four seasons. So, I mean, I know. But, yeah. And he only played three, he only played three games in 2019, 2020. So, mm-hmm. then played. Full seasons thereafter, yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, listen, I say I say his ceiling is definitely a, a Matthews-type ceiling. I'm, uh, and I think it's just our, our bias towards, and this is just a league bias towards not really paying attention to Dallas, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Not really paying attention to those markets that we don't see as traditional hockey markets like we don't pay attention to dallas and we also don't pay attention to arizona but we also we don't pay attention to arizona for for good reason but for good reasons, yeah. <laughs> we don't pay attention to the la kings right we don't pay attention to the kings who are also on on my list and i had they were on my list i mean they weren't on my list until watching them last night phoenix copley i i don't know how how <laughs> that dude is is still out and playing well um but i had no i had no clue the kings had 50 plus points i had, I I had no clue they were that good until watching the game last night and, and I, they were and, just and, yeah and bruins just, tomorrow i know they were just pumping it bro they were they were i mean they were i don't know how many shots they had but it felt like ottinger was just getting shelled i mean he i mean obviously it was only three to two but i felt like the kings outplayed them that that entire game and they definitely deserved um to win that game uh 
But I, I, dude, I wanted the stars to win so bad. I wanted them to win so bad. Yeah. Yeah, they're in second place in their division, only behind Vegas. Yeah. Um, I, they're pretty much a shoe in to go back to the playoffs at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But again, with, with the Kings, the only issue that I have with them is that the lack of playoff success since those Stanley Cup runs. Yeah. Just going in and then they just managed to lose in the first round. I mean, I don't even – have they made it to the second round in, since those playoff runs? I don't even I don't even know. Like, I don't even remember, but. So. I felt. So, and then, so they and lost I, in the first round last year to the Oilers in seven games. Right. But last year, last year, they were like a fringe playoff team, right? Like yeah. last year, they barely made it in. Yeah. Since the, since the Stanley Cup in 2014, they've only made the playoffs three times. And they got bounced in the first round all three times. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's weird that it's weird. Like I don't, I don't get this like resurgence from them. How they're playing so well, you know. I thought they were gonna be, they were gonna be fucked after the Stanley Cup days, you know, keeping all those old play, all those old players from those teams around. But it's it's nice to see them, you know, yeah. rebound. I I do like the I do like the Kings, you know. Just I like that market. I like LA as a as a market, even though they don't they don't really care about the Kings. But I do like LA as a market. Yeah, I did put out a tweet last night saying that it's such a shame that the LA Kings are putting out a such such a good product, but people would rather see the Lakers lose by 15 to Sacramento. <laughs> yeah, the Lakers are bad, bad, <laughs> bad. But, I mean, the draw for the Lakers isn't the team. It's just going out and seeing LeBron and Russ and yeah. Anthony Davis and all those other. And also, like, the NBA just has that has that player culture. Like, I feel like the NHL doesn't really market its players that well. And I'm pretty sure we've, we've talked about this, but I feel like that's definitely the draw for the NBA is the mm-hmm. players. And yeah, as far as NHL goes, it's, it's mostly the draws, the team, mm-hmm. because the NHL doesn't market its players. Like, I don't know. I don't know anybody on the Kings. Like I know Drew Doughty, but he's not like the star on the Kings. I don't know any of their young guns because the NHL doesn't market them. Yeah. All right. Did you have anybody else for the wagons? Uh, I had the Bruins, but we already talked about we already talked about the Bruins. The Bruins, yeah. Hurricanes, Kings, and Stars were all on my list. Yeah, I think that's about it. One team that was a wagon but mm-hmm. is no longer a wagon is the New Jersey Devils. Right. Two six and two in their last ten. Two two seven and two in their last eleven. Mm-hmm. They were on this 14-game heater, mm-hmm. and then it was almost like they completely hit a brick wall. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like what happened to the Devils is the same thing that happened to the Penguins. Their spark and their motor just, just kind of went out. But unlike the Penguins, I feel like the Penguins' motor and spark went out because I because we're old. I, I don't – we're streaky and we're old, but <laughs> – I think the main culprit, and I don't think this is any surprise to anybody, is their goaltending took a nosedive. And yeah. I mean, the Devils have given up four plus goals in six of those eleven games, and it's no surprise why, because Vitek Vanacek and Mackenzie Blackwood, who are your goalies, who let's let's face it, both are 
backup quality goaltenders in the NHL. Like, I'm sorry, those are that's not a tandem that I would like to have. That's yeah, that's yeah. Um, not the greatest tandem, obviously. Um, black, I mean, VTech was playing miles over his head, like completely had like a complete 180 turnaround from where he was on the Capitals. Uh, he's posting a 911 save percentage right now, which isn't which isn't which is pretty good, but it's nowhere near to where it was at the beginning of the season when they were on that run. And Mackenzie Blackwood is posting an 888 save percentage, which is not great. And I think, yes. the, and I just think like it's the production from Hughes and all your young guys are still there, but it's hard to win games when your goalies are giving up four plus on a regular night. Yeah. I mean, they, yeah, they have the offensive talent. They've just regressed on the blue line and in goal. Right. Yeah. I mean, when Let's... you're sorry, I can go. I, I also feel like, and I don't know if this is just me, but I also feel like they're giving up a lot of shots on goal every night. Mm-hmm. Like you watch their games and it feels like Vanacek and Blackwood are just getting shelled. And it's right. it's even harder to keep up when that's the case. I mean, Carolina in in the last game, Carolina had 47 shots on goal. Yeah, no, it's that's not it's not good. I mean I mean like I mean, who who truly are like your top demon on that team? Like Dougie Hamilton, maybe. Yeah. Like twenty nine year old Dougie Hamilton. Like it's not. Like I don't even. Yeah, twenty eight year old. You have a twenty eight year old defenseman. I don't even know. I don't even know any of these these players. Ryan, these Gra- Ryan Graves is hurt. Ryan Graves is Jonas Siegenthaler. I know. I know him, but like he's not. Like I think I only know him because he was on the Capitals. I don't think I would have known him like any anywhere else. I mean, it's not. Yeah, I mean, you're not gonna win with with stats with with stuff like that. I mean, their defensive their defensive course is isn't great, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard for me to see that even with this trajectory that they're on. I don't think. Uh, do you think they miss the playoffs? I don't think they can fall that much. Yeah, because I feel like they definitely solidified their, you know, their their spot with that huge run they went on, and it's it's lucky for them that they they have they did mm-hmm. play so well during that streak, or else. We might have been talking, but you know the devil. Devils fans are are back to their bipolar ways. You know they're back to you know fire rough, fire rough. But <laughs> I don't know. Is it is it a Lindy Ruff problem? Is this team is this Lindy Ruff's issue? I don't think so. But that's yeah. just me. Yeah, I I couldn't I couldn't tell you either way. I just feel like it's definitely a defensive issue and when that defense which was playing like this a majority of the season and was getting bailed out by goaltending is no longer getting bailed out by that goaltending this is the issue that you're going to run into mm-hmm. yeah on the other end of the spectrum are the teams who are looking at Connor Bedard mm-hmm. now Connor Bedard in the World Junior Championships 
in five games so far, eight goals, 13 assists for 21 points. Second place in the World Juniors has 11 points. Yeah, I mean, 21 points in five games at the World at the World Juniors. It's it's not only impressive; it's it's unprecedented, and it's it's kind of put. I think it's kind of put tanking on the forefront of of most teams' minds, which isn't something that it it's is great for hockey. But Bedard having this potential is is good for hockey. Uh, if I'm a front of house man in Detroit or Ottawa or Columbus, I, I'm tanking right now because this yeah. guy, I think, especially especially if I'm a especially if I'm a GM or or a front front of house guy who's on the hot seat right now, I am I am tanking. I am I am 100% tanking right now. I am doing all I can to to get this guy because he seems like a, a, a once in in the lifetime a once in a lifetime find. I mean his performance against Slovakia that goal descended to overtime was Connor McDavid-esque. The overtime goal was Connor McDavid-esque. But I just think I think that Connor Connor Bedard also he's like the first actual like player who's like in a while he's the first player since Matthews or McDavid who's like this dude has has that ability he has the the it factor there hasn't really been a player like that in, in a while also in 28 games for the Regina Pats in the Western Hockey League he has 64 points mm-hmm yeah, I mean, he just looks. I mean, he the things that he does on a regular basis. I mean, the tweets that you see, the videos of him scoring. I mean, it's just, it's just unreal. But I feel like we should just always, always be cautious considering the amount of the, the amount of draft picks that that haven't exactly panned out. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, look at Alexei Lafreniere. Who, I mean, he was healthy scratched. He's been healthy scratched a couple games uh, for the Rangers, who sort of fallen off a cliff once again. But uh, I just think like Bedard, he is. I don't think he's a franchise changer for some teams. I think that he could definitely be screwed. His career trajectory, his career path can definitely be screwed if he's put on a team like let's say the Coyotes. I think I think the best the best place for him to be is is in it is on a team that right now isn't that good but has a lot of players a columbus or a, or an ottawa i think would be a great fit for uh bedard to make an impact early with players like Giroux for ottawa with Tchuk, or with players like johnny goudreau or players like line on columbus yeah i just would hate to see connor bedard go for me it's more about the market mm-hmm. like if he goes to arizona or san jose Mm-hmm. or the Florida Panthers mm-hmm. and then 7,000 people a night show up mm-hmm. like to me that just seems off I'd much rather him even though these teams are terrible I'd much rather him go to a Chicago or a Montreal yeah I think I think people would definitely appreciate appreciate the talent and the impact that he would bring if he does go to a Chicago or a Montreal but I just feel like if he goes to a really god awful team, that he's that he's just going to be fucked. Like I'm really scared yeah. that like I'm really scared that he's going to end up in like a situation and he's just going to be, especially if he goes to, like Arizona. I mean, he's absolutely fucked if he goes to Arizona. But it's just 
it's just a scary situation because I don't want like he's really good. Like he has this ability to be a, a great talent in the NHL, and I just don't want to see that. You know, I don't want to see that career get screwed up. I don't really want to see what happened. What I don't want to see like what happened to Line A happened to him because Line A didn't go to a horrible Jets team, but like he was the only guy on that Jets team for a while. He was the only guy and he was, he was carrying that team. And I just, and now he's kind of burnt out and he's on Columbus now and he's not, I mean, he's nowhere near that. In my opinion, that second level, that second round pick that, I mean, the second, second overall pick that was, that was spent on him. I really don't want to see that happen to Bernard. Almost reminds me. Yeah. Almost reminds me of a Taylor Hall situation. Yeah. Where he dr- got drafted to Edmonton. Edmonton was awful. Then he's like, oh, I'll go to New Jersey. And then New mm-hmm. Jersey's awful. And then he's like, oh, I'll go to Arizona. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't seem like. It. And then he comes to Boston, completely revitalizes his career. Yeah. But you also forgot about Buffalo. Buffalo was his decision. Buffalo, was, Buffalo his fault. was his decision. Buffalo was his fault. <laughs> yeah. Like, if it was, I mean, Taylor Hall, I think, is like, he's like a good, like, case study and, like, what not to do because he literally went to Buffalo just for money. Like, he didn't, like, he's like, I'm gonna, I'm coming to Buffalo to win. And then he was like, I want <laughs> out of here. And I was like, yeah. Nah. Or, like, or, like, speaking on Buffalo, I don't want what happened to him happen to Jack Eichel. I don't, I don't want that to, I don't want that to. Or like what happened to Jack Eichel happened to Bedard. I don't want that. I don't yeah. want that to happen. But I, I don't even. I don't like Jack Eichel that much, so it doesn't matter. All right, let's move on to those game picks. Mm-hmm. Your favorite segment. Um, oh we, yeah. I'm we each got we each got three wins and two losses, so you stay ten points back. Shit. All right, and we start tomorrow night with Washington and Columbus. Now this game is interesting because during it's on ESPN national TV game during the intermission, they're going to release the all-star teams. Okay. So that's, that's the only reason anybody should watch this because I have a feeling Columbus is going to get rolled in this game. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm going with Washington just because of player talent. Yeah. So uh, the Capitals, uh, they're back. Um, I wouldn't like they're they're back to being better. They just got Oshi back, I think, the other day. I think I think last night was his first game back. Uh, the Capitals again, they look good once again. But for the love of God, if if they're playing Darcy Kemper on Thursday, just like write the whole thing off, scratch that out. Uh, they have to play Charlie Lindgren because uh, there's Darcy Kemper giving up five goals to the Sabers last night. It's just it, there's no excuse for that, and good on the Caps for for them coming back to force overtime, but Kemper getting hurt and Lindgren stepping up and filling that role is what gave the Capitals that spark, to, that energy to start their streak of starting to be better again, um, in the first place. Uh, but again, they lost to the Blue, um, they lost to the Sabers last night, but I think they bounced back and they beat Columbus on Thursday, so I'm going to take Washington. Yeah. All right. Saturday afternoon, the New Jersey Devils, who we spent a lot of time talking about, they will host the New York Rangers. The Rangers mm-hmm. are a team currently th- in that third position in the Metropolitan Division. Mm-hmm. They've kind of had a lackluster season so far. 
in my mm. opinion, but still well within a playoff spot. Right. Um, I don't know what to think of them right now. Um, they beat the Hurricanes last night, uh, five to three. Uh, I don't like. There again, the Rangers are a team that I don't really know what to think of, but I don't see. I don't see. Especially if Shesterkin's in that, I don't see how they have a problem with the Devils. So I'll definitely take the Rangers over the Devils. Yeah, I just think that it's time for the Devils to return to form. They mm-hmm. visit Detroit tonight, and then they play St. Louis. Those are two definitely winnable games. Mm-hmm. So I think if they come into this game against New York Rangers with those two wins, with that momentum, I think that they definitely have the ability to beat the New York Rangers. I think right. Shesterkin has been playing well, but he hasn't been playing as well as he has. Right. So I – for that reason as well, I think there's an opportunity for the Devils to just go in and outscore the Rangers, even if their goaltending isn't there. So wait, so who are you taking? You're I'm taking New Jersey. Oh, I just, I just, I don't see how the Devils put more than like two goals past Shesterkin. Like. Uh, I could see them winning like two to one. I couldn't see them like really like out going out there and just absolutely lighting Shesterkin up. I feel like Shesterkin is one of those goaltenders who, if you get a goal on him early, then he can sort of open up. Mm-hmm. Get in his own head a little bit. Get in his own head. Tristan Jari also one of those goaltenders. Uh, uh-huh. I feel like. Yeah. yeah. And, and Jeremy Swayman for Boston is one as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then Saturday night, a Western Conference final rematch. Mm-hmm. Colorado Avalanche visiting Edmonton. Yeah, so um Edmonton's defense looks absolutely putrid. Um they had a two goal lead to uh the Kraken last night. Uh two it was two nothing. I forget who scored, but it was it was early in the second. They went up two nothing. And they they blew it. The the Kraken just came back. They they tied it instantly. They made it two to two in like five minutes after that two two oh after that two oh goal and they won four to two. Uh I think Seattle, I don't know how they're doing it, but they're pretty good. But uh, I think you just have to learn if you're Edmonton to hang on to leads, especially when you have McDavid and Drysidle on your team. You can't be that bad on the defensive boards. Uh the Avalanche, on the other hand, have gotten trounced by the Coyotes, six to three, I believe. Uh, they got trounced by the Leafs, same score. And I think these are going to be two teams that are hungry for a W on Saturday, considering how slow their starts have been since the break. But I think I have to give the slight edge to Colorado in this game, and I really hope I don't regret giving this to Colorado because it's a little bit of my uh, uh, bias uh, coming in for the Stanley Cup victories. Yeah, I'm just not confident in Edmonton's goaltending. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can have a night where Jack Campbell just goes off, has a good night, only lets one in, and then when you have Connor McDavid on your team, that's a great opportunity to win. However, you can also have a night where Campbell or Skinner or whoever, Edmonton, Edmonton, does whatever in net, and you can have a night where McDavid scores a hat trick, but you still lose. 
mm-hmm. because of that goaltending. And mm-hmm. I th- think that Colorado has enough where they can take advantage of bad goaltending. Mm-hmm. They have enough offensive talent with McKinnon and Branson to be able to mm-hmm. do that, and even McCarr. Yeah. So I think for that reason, Colorado is able to win. Mm-hmm. All right. The next game, Monday night. Montreal has been doing a little bit better, but they've still been relatively poor. Seattle, however, has been having a great season so far. They're currently in a playoff position. But they have to travel to the Bell Center, one of the toughest places to play in the league. Mm-hmm. Seattle, like I said uh, in the in the last description, um, they've looked pretty good uh, leading up and, and coming out of the break. And if I'm Montreal, I'm I'm focused on the Bedard sweepstakes. If I'm being perfectly honest with myself, and Seattle's starting to heat up. Good teams uh, with they beat you know good teams with talent like Edmonton, like I just said. So I'll give the the win to Seattle. Yeah, I. And excuse me, I named the arena wrong. It is Le Centre Bell. Just so we don't have any people from Quebec coming at me. Um, I Montreal has Cole Caulfield, and that's it. I mm-hmm. saw something that said they might send Slavkovsky down to Laval, which, in my opinion, is a ridiculously dumb decision. But I don't like Montreal, so I'm completely fine with them doing that. However, I just think Seattle is too good right now to lose a game to a team like Montreal, who's not even looking to make the playoffs at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Tuesday night, New Jersey visits Carolina. Mm-hmm. New Jersey, we talked about them a little earlier when we were discussing their game against the Rangers, and then mm-hmm. Carolina, a certified wagon at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to like, beat my point into the into the ground or, or whatever or just speak ad nauseum because we've, we've already spoke at length about um both of these teams carolina's a wagon new jersey struggling um so i i'd be stupid not to choose uh carolina so i'm gonna choose carolina and you who've already picked the devils uh let's see what what you're who you're riding with so i'm I'm going to pick Carolina. Okay. I am a bit worried about Carolina's goaltending. Mm-hmm. I don't that know. There's a theme with you today. You're worried about people's goaltending. I am worried about people's goaltending because Kachekov and Ranta as a pairing doesn't seem like something that's going to give you long term success once the goals dry up. Mm-hmm. And on these hot streaks, you do have times where the goals dry up and you have to get a 2-1 or a 1-0 win. Right. And I don't know if Carolina is capable of that. However, I can't really say Carolina's goaltending is bad and then look at the other side and say, yeah, I'm going to pick that team. Mm-hmm. And then look at New Jersey and say, yeah, I'm going to pick the team with Mackenzie Blackwood on it. Right. So right. for that reason, I'm going to pick Carolina. All right. Well, guys, that is it for the pick segment. And as always, that is where we where we wrap up again. Um, we're hoping to do regular scheduled releases. I know we've promised that uh, for a while, but um, I'll, I'll say bye and I'll let uh, Jack take over if Jack has anything he would like to say. Um, 
One thing I'm going to say is Logan Cooley has already scored to make it one nothing for the U.S. in the World Junior semifinal. Good, 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 good. That's all I have. Listeners. Uh, well, anyways, guys, again, we're going to look for more regularly scheduled um, podcast episodes. I know we've, again, promised that. But anyways, uh, bye, guys.